Home is where the womb is. Written and read by Diana Barreiro-Jorge. Diana Barreiro-Jorge is in her third year of biological sciences and has many interests within the realm of biology, ranging from bioremediation to epigenetics, but also looking into Parkinson's and even infectious disease research. Truly vast. Here she explores an often overlooked and non-conventional idea of home in which every single human being has been accommodated in. A mother's womb. Home can be anything from the physical safety of the four tangible walls surrounding you to the intangible idea of psychological comfort, or even just the homely connotations of nostalgia. But the very first home every human being ever experiences is the womb the walking home our mothers provide, before we all come into this wild place we call the world. The experiences in every human being's first nine-month home, whether it is related to nutrition or sound, are a lot more important than we think when it comes to determining the future characteristics of the fetus, both in their infant and adult lives. How, you might ask? It comes down to epigenetics. If a human genome is analogous to a ball of clay, whose composition and properties have already been predetermined, that is, by maternal and paternal genes, the epigenome is parallel to the process of shaping this ball of clay. It is created as a result of the interactions that occur between the genome and the environment at the molecular level. These interactions are reliant on these crucial nine months in this temporary home, a lot of which is driven by the mother. That is, the artist, who has a vital role in sculpting this ball of clay. Even though most of the genetic fate of the fetus is determined once the sperm fertilizes the egg, the composition and properties in the clay analogy, this is only the beginning. From the moment fertilization occurs to the last few days of our lives, the environment puts molecular pressure on our genome which responds by inducing changes in the expression of various genes. When carrying out analysis of the epigenome, DNA methylation patterns are commonly used to measure, compare, and contrast the changes in the expression of specific genes, either over time or between individuals. DNA methylation refers to the addition of methyl groups, CH3, to DNA molecules usually resulting in suppression of a newly methylated gene. Put simply, these methyl groups are labels that will shape the epigenome and determine gene expression, the mechanism through which the environment will act upon. The fate of the fetal epigenome lies in the hands of the mother, but also the people and atmosphere she interacts with, as they are just as influential in determining the environment of your nine-month temporary home. Now, Starting with what we all agree, no home can exist without. Food. We've all heard the saying, you are what you eat. But actually, you are what your mother ate. Fetal programming is a theory suggesting the importance of the mother's external environment during pregnancy in determining the fate of the fetus. Maternal diet, for example, is an instrumental contributing factor in this theory. The nutrients obtained from maternal digestion are, quote-unquote, fed to the fetus through the placenta and umbilical cord. Physiologically speaking, maternal diets high in fat have been associated with child obesity, metabolic disorders, liver dysfunction, and cardiovascular diseases. 
When analyzing fetal tissue DNA methylation patterns, that is, silenced versus non-silenced genes, at birth, maternal obesity correlates with high levels of expression of a particular transcription factor, which is called ZFP423. Transcription factors are regulatory molecules that, generally speaking, increase the expression of a particular gene, thus affecting the phenotype, which means there will be significant changes in the individual's observable traits. The upregulation of ZFP423 was positively correlated to increased adipose tissue development, promoting fat storage. Related to nutrition is supplementation. During pregnancy, folic acid is one of the most important nutrients for embryonic development, which is why folic acid supplementation is often recommended. Folic acid metabolites can become methyl donor molecules, and these methyl groups are essential for DNA methylation and epigenomic regulation. Folic acid deficiencies during pregnancy can lead to defects in neural tube formation, congenital heart defects, and even increased susceptibility to cancer later on in life. Even though folic acid supplementation is necessary, what is equally important is the timeline during pregnancy at which supplementation occurs. Early pregnancy folic acid supplementation tends to increase neurodevelopment in children and enhance vocabulary, verbal, and communication skills at 18 months. However, oversupplementation during late pregnancy is associated with childhood asthma. But these correlations, although evident, aren't as straightforward as they appear because of the interconnected nature of the genome and the epigenome. Evidence and studies on fetal programming are highly complex, and this field is developing rapidly. So, these nuanced trends and implications are yet to be better understood. In contrast to overnutrition, undernutrition also has knock-on effects on our first home. Even though various studies on malnutrition exist, the most extensive study occurred during the Dutch hunger winter of 1944-1945. Pregnant women exposed to famine and undernourishment during this period not only had children with increased risks of cerebral cardiovascular-related deaths and higher risks of schizophrenia, but both their male and female children grew to have reduced tolerance to glucose in their 50s. These individuals also had higher incidences of coronary heart disease. Daughters of undernourished mothers were more predisposed to obesity later in life. However, this wasn't observed in their sons suggesting that fetal programming has a certain degree of sex dependency. However, it is not only the health of the mother that will affect the child. In preconception, studies using mice demonstrated that fathers who were fed high-fat diets and bred with mothers who were fed a regular diet correlated with offspring facing decreased insulin production earlier than expected, thus increasing their risk of developing diabetes. Fetal programming is vastly intricate and we are still at the surface of realizing the molecular power of the environment. An individual's maternal and paternal genetic inheritance has been suggested to be important when determining an individual's tendency towards being easily stressed, anxious, or depressed. Maternal stress, consequential of the people and environment surrounding her, and particularly depression during pregnancy is associated with a fourfold increase in the child's likelihood of developing depression. The study carried out by Sassetti and Handley suggests that depressive tendencies usually continue into adulthood.
Mice were used to investigate the epigenetic effects of inducing prenatal depression and anxiety. DNA methylation patterns observed in newborn humans showed silencing of the promoter region, that is, a segment which lies upstream of a given gene and controls expression of that gene, of a glucocorticoid hormone receptor gene, which is called NR3C1, to which cortisol and other glucocorticoid hormones bind. Previous DNA methylation studies analyzing child DNA have suggested a strong correlation between NR3C1 silencing and emotional liability negativity, depression, lack of control over the ego, and a greater tendency to externalize behavior. It is likely that such changes to the fetal epigenome predominantly occur during pregnancy. It's intimidating how much impact stress in the nine-month home can have over the rest of an individual's life. Now, let's not forget about sound and, of course, music. Fundamentally, the cherry on top of a home's ambience. At approximately 30 weeks, the fetus can respond to external sound. When pregnant mothers were being played 10 minutes of their favorite song, within the first 90 seconds, the fetus displayed increased heart rate. It was not because the mother's heart rate had changed, as it wasn't the case, but rather that the fetus was able to recognize the mother's emotional response to her favorite song. Fetal sensitivity to music goes as far as recognizing the mother's voice when recordings of a lullaby sung by the mother are being played, compared to when sung by a different woman. The reduction in fetal heart rate was used by Tristau et al. as an indicator of fetal recognition of the mother's voice. The prenatal presence of a mother's voice is said to have an important role as well for the infant's ability to learn spoken language after birth. The literature on fetal behavior and psychology isn't exactly at the stage in which we can piece together the day in the life of a fetus. However, increasingly we are finding that the fetal experience in the cozy five-star walking hotel provided by a mother is a lot more important than we think when it comes to determining the psychological and physiological fate of a human being. From the moment we are born all the way until the very last days of our lives. Home is anything, from tangible to intangible, and although the womb is tangible, every fetus will differ in their intangible experiences because it isn't just the physical aspects of the womb that make it home. It's also the mother's environmental and emotional experiences that will make home be home.